The views and opinions expressed in this program are solely those of the program's contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the University of Alabama. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Bless Our Hearts, Alabama Quilt Backstories. My name is Kevin. And my name is Lizzie. Bless Our Hearts is a podcast about the stories of queer people living in Alabama. We interviewed Kirk for this episode, and he's going to talk to us about bees and what it's like to move from (laughs) Alabama to the big city. Yeah. Uh, Hi, Kirk. We would love for you to start by telling us a little bit about yourself. So if you could give us your name, the pronouns you use, and tell us a little bit about your identity and how you came to be in Alabama. Sure. Um, Hello. Uh, My name is Kirk Walter. Uh, My pronouns are he, him, his. Um, Let's see. A little bit about me and my identity. Uh, Born originally in uh, Indiana, uh, moved to Georgia, finished high school, did undergrad in in Georgia, did law school up in Columbus, Ohio. And after practicing law for uh, the Secretary of State uh, in the state of Ohio, uh, took a position with my husband down at the University of Alabama. Uh, and that uh, did two years of advocacy work for individuals with disabilities, uh, then came to work for the University of Alabama, working in the Office of Student Involvement and uh, supervising uh, UA's uh, Safe Zone program. I identify as a gay man, uh, uh, generally speaking, for those who have a more nuanced understanding and, and uh, mm-hmm. of queer identities. You know, um, I am comfortable using the term queer uh, in that it kind of more represents the, the holistic nature of, of how I identify. Awesome. Thank you very much. Did you have something in particular you wanted to talk about or do you just want to chat? So um, the story that I was thinking um, you know, about sharing um, is something that I have now noticed moving from, from a northern city uh, to Tuscaloosa and then back Uh, to a northern city. So prior to moving to Alabama, um, I had been doing law school uh, in Columbus, Ohio, and uh, we lived right by the city park, um, and it was right at the start of colony collapse, the the, disease, disorder, poisoning uh, that's killing all sorts of honeybees. And I was walking my dog one day through the city park and noticed uh, a tree that had a bunch of of bees around it and and, um, said a a uh, scientist from OSU was there, and he described something um, that he called it a survival, uh, survivor colony. That effectively, it was a bunch of different types of honeybees uh, that would ordinarily never live together, but because of all of these different colonies that were collapsing, they all formed this kind of hodgepodge group together. And it was it was just a, a really interesting thing that kind of stuck out in my mind. But I've been kind of focusing on it, or it comes back into my mind thinking about you know, my, my time in Alabama, you know, when I lived in Columbus, it's, it's not a major city, but it is a, a prominent LGBTQ city, so much so that there was, you know, an LGBTQ neighborhood. Um, it was called the, the, the Short North. And, you know, my little social group there uh, effectively mirrored my demographics entirely. There were about 10 of us that were good friends, but all of us were white, gay, cis men, and a professional background from, uh, you know, a middle income, you know, middle class uh, background. And, and just the, despite having the, the wealth of diversity of the city, uh, our, my social group was, was incredibly limited. 
now that I've again moved back to a city, um, I'm currently living in Chicago, Illinois. It's it's dawned on me again that I live in Boys Town, which is a predominantly white, cis, gay, male neighborhood, and that the majority of my friends have again become you know white, cis, gay. You know, I, and and one of the things that, that I loved about living in Alabama and, and you know, my, my my time there is. You know, despite being a much smaller community, my social network was so much more diverse um, you know, in terms of different ages, different ethnicities, races, genders, gender identities, you know, you know, all of these things that like, you know, I kind of liken the, the, the community that arose in Tuscaloosa to that survivor colony. You know, when uh, when I left your own devices, sometimes you move to a bigger city and you kind of insulate and isolate and not for any, you know, anything other than inertia causes this to happen. But but living in Tuscaloosa, you know, I really felt, I don't know, connected and bonded and having a shared sense of, of purpose and, and, and you know, and, and community, you know, kind of banding together. Um, and so that's, that's kind of what I think about now when I think of... of living in Tuscaloosa, living in Alabama as a very identified person. I really like that connection that you made with the honeybees. I didn't know that honeybees did that. So yeah, you're saying that like different species of honeybees who would normally not congregate together have developed. Yeah. The survivors yeah. of these different dying out species have exactly. developed this colony where they're sticking together. Exactly. That's an interesting comparison and point. So, so you're saying that somewhere, some bigger city like Chicago, you know, you've got the gay men stick together, maybe the trans people stick together, but in Alabama, all of these different groups kind of come together. Is that what you're getting at, or am I completely missing the point? No, no, that's exactly the point. That you know, it, it, it's it's an inversion of what you think would happen uh, with regard to you know my the diversity of my community, those who I consider to be my community in Tuscaloosa were a lot more diverse. You know, there were you know, trans-identified folks. There were, you know, and different races, different genders, different, you know, all of these di- these differences, lesbian-identified folks, ace-identified folks, bi-identified folks. Whereas then here in Chicago, my social network has, again, kind of shrunk back to those who share so many of the same social identities with me. Um, and so, you know, I've, I've, I've kind of lost that, that survivor colony in a way. <laughs> you know, that's funny. That's a... Um... Uh, kind of a shared sentiment that we've heard from a couple of people who have lived in Alabama or in a place like Alabama and then moved to a larger city that was maybe more inclusive for LGBTQ folks was that they felt like they had a much stronger sense of community while they were here with a more like diverse group of people. And it was from the sense of needing needing that community much more to survive, feeling like you have to have your people close just because the the climate feels less less welcoming and less inclusive and then go into these these larger places that are a little bit more inclusive or maybe have opportunities for more inclusive community spaces and, and finding less of a connection to to the larger LGBTQ community. Absolutely. Where I probably shouldn't ask this, but no, go ahead. where do where do you think that you felt more comfortable? <laughs> and that's a, I mean it's an interesting question. Oh, you know Comfortable, comfortable is odd. You know, when uh, when I lived in Ohio um, with my husband, uh, uh, we were not married at the time because it was still not legally possible for us to be married. But living in that gay neighborhood, like I felt free and fine to hold my husband's hand, you know, walk around, 
Um, I felt a sense of comfort and ease, so much so that I kind of even forgot uh, to an extent that we were part of a same-sex couple. We were just a couple. Mm -hmm. Um, One thing I noticed when we moved to Alabama, partially it could have been a facet of the fact that he accepted a tenure-track position at the University of Alabama, and so you know, with that comes all the stress of maintaining and and, and getting tenure. But Mm -hmm. I mean, even on the very first day of work, I remember... We were on campus and we said goodbye to each other. We came into to, to campus together. And rather than giving each other a kiss like we usually do when we say goodbye at the you know, beginning of the day, it was just a, you know, kind of bye, you know, hand, hand wave kind of thing. And so, you know, I think there was just an, an ambient environmental absence of comfort there. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, the, the, the converse is, you know, I've always kind of considered myself to some degree and you know, an advocate and an ally and somebody who kind of wants to fight the good fight. And so being here, the, the, that aspect of, of being, you know, an advocate and an ally is something that I take pride in, something that I enjoy, something that I feel I'm good at. It's less necessary, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there is, to some degree, almost like a denial of a part of myself uh, by being here in that, you know, I... I I don't need to strive. I don't need to, to, you know, be that advocate and ally. And so, you know, I don't know that that's discomforting in its in its own way, if that makes sense. Yeah. Did you ever get past that while you were here? You said on the first day, you know, you would normally give each other a kiss before you parted ways. Did you ever get past that and get comfortable here? Not really. You know, I can't I can't say that, that we ever really do very many public displays of affection, you know, and, and even still, you know, he still lives in Alabama, uh, still lives in Tuscaloosa, and it is interesting. You know, he comes up for the summers when he's on summer break up here in Chicago, and we live a very different life, both in terms of, of you know, just the amenities, but uh, un- <laughs> unfortunately for all of humanity, uh, here in Chicago, the dress code for gay men has changed to include things like uh, tank, uh, tank tops and crop tops and, you know, all of these things uh, that, you know, I, I won't admit to uh, wearing crop tops, but, like, my, my summer attire is almost exclusively tank tops, many of them featuring, like, weird pictures of dogs and, and you know, bright, vibrant colors. And even the last time I went down to, to visit David, uh, knowing that it would be hotter there than it was here, um, I packed only T-shirts. Um, I packed only, you know, solid colors, you know, nothing, uh, you know, and it, it wasn't necessarily conscious, but just kind of an overt recognition that, that certain behaviors, certain displays, certain, you know, outward signs are would be less welcomed. And, and rather than go through the, the annoyance of putting myself out there for scrutiny, it would just be easier to, to not. I hope that answered your question. No, it does. Yeah. Thinking about that, because I work so much with undergrads and so many of the students that I work with are so, I guess, dedicated to the idea of constantly being that representation of of performing queer on campus uh, as kind of a a sense of um, kind of fighting back, right? Like being, being visible is kind of their way of taking ownership of the situation and fighting back. But it's, it is kind of heartbreaking to hear it from the perspective of a professional, uh, and, and somebody who is acknowledging the fact that that, that self-expression just kind of that, 
that authentic self-expression isn't isn't available here. Uh, so yeah. So yeah. So yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good note to end on, though. Uh, so, yeah. so yeah. So yeah. Thank you for listening to Blood. <laughs> <Our Heart. laughs> well, have you got anything else you want to want to share with us? Uh, so you know, and something kind of going to to Lizzie's point. Um, you know, uh, I've, I've always been throughout my professional life, a bicycle commuter, you know, uh, so I've always just gone to work riding a bicycle. That's, it was more difficult in Tuscaloosa, uh, you know, on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it was amazing to me, you know, some of the only times when overt, you know, hate speech was leveled at me was, you know, when I was biking. Um, and you know, I, the, the speech had nothing to do with, you know, they didn't know that I actually identified as queer, but just seeing a, seeing a grown man on a bike, uh, gave certain people license to make assumptions or just mm-hmm. wanted to be rude. And so, uh, you know, uh, biking around in Tuscaloosa that, you know, it was often the times when, whenever there were overt acts of hate, but I, I said to, to my husband one time, he came up. The first time after I had moved up here and living right in the middle of Boys Town, there's um, um, an event called Market Days, um, which is a big uh, LGBTQ street festival. And the very first day he got here, Big Frida, who's a, a New Orleans bounce musician, uh, was performing for free at Market Days. And it was literally a block from our apartment um, and just kind of getting dressed and getting ready to go over there and just seeing, you know, not just that the Chicago LGBTQ community, but the entire Midwestern LGBTQ community comes out for this. Um, and just kind of looking at the wealth and diversity and flamboyancy and just fun mm-hmm. you know, displays and people, you know, I, I, I said to David, you know, to the extent that, you know, like in order to be yelled at and hate crime in this neighborhood, I would really have to be giving it my all to be <laughs> to stand out. <laughs> You know, and in Tuscaloosa, uh, all it took to stand out was not driving an SUV and choosing instead to be environmentally friendly and, and ride a bike. And that opened you up for ridicule and scorn and, and derision. But, you know, in Chicago, that bar is so much higher to stand out from the crowd. Like, you know, I I wasn't wearing the horse hoof boots and unicorn mane and, you know, all of that. So, you know, really, uh, I, was, I was practically invisible. <laughs> you should take that as a challenge and just see what yeah. just see how far it takes. What can I do? <laughs> I yeah, I would like to say that I could even accept that challenge, but you know, again, market days is coming down just a couple weeks ago, and looking around, just like wow, nope, you win, game over. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again for listening to Bless Our Hearts. We're putting this podcast out in observance of LGBTQIA plus History Month. We'll be putting out new episodes throughout the month of October. So if you don't want to miss one, go ahead and subscribe now. If you want to learn more about resources in your area for LGBTQIA plus folks, you can reach out to your local pride organization or you can look for more information at equalityalabama.org. 
This podcast is brought to you by the Safe Zone Resource Center and the Center for Instructional Technology at the University of Alabama. Safe Zone Resource Center is an LGBTQIA resource center that provides educational outreach, community support programming, and crisis intervention support services for LGBTQ folks and their allies. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can do so by emailing us at safezone at ua.edu, or you can follow us on social media and reach out to us there. So you can reach us at Facebook or Instagram at at UA Safe Zone. If you're a member of the University of Alabama community and you're having some issues with Blackboard or the Blackboard-related technologies, you can reach out to the Center for Instructional Technology. We're located in the very back of Gordon Palmer Hall in room A203. You can give us a call at 205-348-3532 or send us an email at cit at ua.edu.